and welcome to Biblical Tapestry Season 6, Episode 15, A Study in the Book of Jeremiah. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode, we return to Chapter 7 as we continue to review Jeremiah's sermon at the Temple Gates. Please check the last episode to ensure that context is understood to this point. And today, God is speaking through Jeremiah about false worship of the Queen of Heaven and the condemnation of a disobedient nation. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 7, starting in verse 16. As for you, do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry or prayer for them, and do not intercede with me, for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. Is it I whom they provoke, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves to their own shame? Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place. Upon man and beast, upon the trees of the field and the fruit of the ground, it will burn and not be quenched. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but this command I gave them, Obey my voice and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels. and the stubbornness of their evil hearts, they went backward, not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them, day after day, Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. You shall say to them, This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. Cut off your hair and cast it away. Raise a lamentation on the bare heights. The Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. All right, back to verse 16. We'll look at the verse 20. We'll look at these together. As for you, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or prayer for them and do not intercede with me for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. Is it I whom they provoke, declares the Lord? It is is it not themselves to their own shame? Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, upon man and beast, upon the trees of the field and the fruit of the ground. It will burn and not be quenched." Jesus had just declared, God had just declared, that the destruction of Judah was inevitable in verses 14 and 15. God now commands Jeremiah to do something startling. What do you see in verse 16? Do not pray for this people. What? Don't pray for them? Now, God is not saying that we should not pray for people, but in this instance, 
God knew that the hearts of the people of Judah were so hardened that they had already decided to ignore God and his warnings. And previously, God would have accepted the intercession of Jeremiah for Judah, but no longer. Now, what does God say about prayer? In Luke 18:1, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. It is not up to us to not pray for anyone, but at this point in history, the sovereign God saw no one repenting and commanded Jeremiah to not pray for these people any longer. The reason why God asked Jeremiah to not pray for these people are clear. Verse 17, Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? And now we get to the events that have led to this point. We see here, the entire family of Judeans was involved in the worship of the Queen of Heaven. Verse 18 says, The children gathered wood, the fathers kindled fire, the women need dough to make cakes for the Queen of Heaven. Now the Queen of Heaven is also mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 44, starting in verse 15. And then this is at the point where already the disaster has already happened. Babylon had already come to Judah at least once. But it says there, Then all the men who knew that their wives had made offerings to other gods, and all the women who stood by a great assembly, all the people who lived in Pathros, they lived in Pathros in the land of Egypt, answered Jeremiah. They were there because Babylon had uh, chased them out. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will do everything that we have vowed. I mean, this is a disaster has already started. They say, we're going to do everything we have vowed, make offerings to the Queen of Heaven, and pour out drink offerings to her as we did both we and our fathers, our kings and our officials, in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food and have prospered and saw no disaster. So even when this disaster started, Judah trusted this Queen of Heaven rather than God. Now the Queen of Heaven is usually identified as the Assyrian Babylonian deity Ishtar. It was also the same deity in Canaanite as Astarte, the goddess of love and fertility. We're not completely certain this is the case, but it fits the actions. By worshiping the Queen of Heaven, this provoked God to anger. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. The issue, however, was by worshiping the Queen of Heaven, they were only hurting themselves. Verse 19 says, Is it I whom they provoke, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves to their own shame? I ask you, who is being hurt when we defy God? Who is being hurt when we defy God? We're only hurting ourselves. God's anger and wrath is about to be poured out on Judah and Jerusalem. And, as he says, it will not be quenched. Verse 21 through verse 26. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this command I gave them, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts, and went backward, not forward. From the day that your father came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them, 
day after day, yet they did not listen to me, or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So we hear, we see here, is some bitter sarcasm that God tells Judah, go ahead, offer your burnt offerings and sacrifices in the temple. And while you're at it, go ahead and consume the flesh of your burnt offering. Now, the law required that the offering as a burnt offering to be consumed by fire. In Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3, if his offering is a burnt offering, and that's the key here, it's a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish, he shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons the priest shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces, and the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire, and Aaron's sons the priest shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire on the altar, and its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So God is in a sense saying he does not care that they sacrifice incorrectly or even how it's performed because these sacrifices were unacceptable to him. Sacrifices and offerings cannot be substitutes for faith and obedience. In 1 Samuel 15.22, King Saul learned this. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Now, verse 22 is also very interesting, for it says, For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, scholars do not all agree on this verse, but I think we must look at it in context. God did command sacrifice as part of the Mosaic Covenant. Now, we find much of that given in the book of Leviticus. The issue was that the sacrificial system was to be evidence of faith rather than a substitute for it. They were finding ritual being easier to follow than following God's moral laws. What God wants is in verse 23, For this command I gave them, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the way that I command you, that you it may be well with you. This was found frequently in Jeremiah, a plea to God's people to be obedient to him and him alone. But the people went backwards and not forwards by following their own counsel, making themselves, in a sense, higher than God. God sent many prophets to them over the centuries from when they entered the promised land with no avail, even worse than their ancestors in this matter. God wants a heart of obedience. The real issue is that Judah did not listen or pay attention, became obstinate. 
and the first sin was when the first humans listened to someone other than God. In Matthew thirteen fourteen, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, and Jesus is speaking here, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. It is not an ability to hear. It is a willingness to hear. And when we have a soft heart, we are willing to listen to God's word. We then long for his word because we love God. We want to know what he is saying to us. Verse 27 says, So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. You shall say to them, This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. Cut off your hair and cast it away. Raise a lamentation on the bare heights. For the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. Can you just imagine the frustration for Jeremiah to be preaching to a nation of his own people who refused to even listen? The words of God spoken by Jeremiah would have saved the nation if they would only have listened. Instead, the false prophets had their ears, tickling them with what they wanted to hear, and that's no different from today. In 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul writes this, I charge you with the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then the command to cut off your hair was not intended for Jeremiah. It was meant for the people. The command was related to the Nazarite vow that a person made to God, and that a razor was not to touch the hair of the head until the vow was fulfilled. And they weren't to take any wine or grape juice or even touch the, the leaves. They had a vow of separation, and no razor should touch the head. And then in number 6, verse 6, All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. But even for his father or for his mother, for brothers or sisters, if they die, shall he make himself unclean, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation is holy to the Lord. And then in verse 9, And if any man dies very suddenly besides him, and he defiles his consecrated head, then he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day he shall shave it. The person with a vow is accidentally touching a dead body, they were then commanded to shave the head. The implication for Judah was they were now defiled because God had rejected them and forsaken this generation in Judah. Cutting the hair would express that mourning. But if this wasn't enough, it gets much, much worse. Next episode 16... 
review the judgment that was coming because of the horrible act of human sacrifice in Judah as we finish chapter 7 and dive into chapter 8. I hope you will continue following season 6 as we continue to follow the career of Jeremiah and the historical accounts around his ministry. Biblical Tapestry is available on Facebook and Instagram, and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast. You have learned something new about God's Word. May God bless you this day.